0: You are listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks.
1: And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's September 15th.
0: The well-being of many U.S. public school teachers appears to have improved since the start of the pandemic. However, teachers in some states are still leaving their jobs at higher rates than before COVID-19 hit. Rand researchers recently conducted a survey to learn more about what might be driving America's educators out of the classroom. Here's what they found. 66% of U.S. teachers say their base salary is inadequate. That's compared with 39% of U.S. working adults. On average, teachers want $17,000 more per year to feel that their pay is adequate. This equates to roughly a 27% raise. That's comparable to the estimated pay gap between teachers and other similarly college-educated workers, often called the teacher pay penalty. During the school year, teachers worked 53 hours per week on average. That's compared with 46 hours per week among all working adults low salary, and long working hours were the top-ranked reasons why teachers said they were considering leaving their jobs. And compared with white teachers, black teachers reported working more hours per week and were less satisfied with their base salary. Black teachers were also more likely than white teachers to consider leaving their jobs. Addressing these issues is important. When teachers leave their jobs, student achievement can suffer, And the cost of replacing teachers can be high. To increase teacher pay and improve working conditions, state policymakers could begin by setting a minimum pay for starting salaries, and school district leaders could expand opportunities for extra pay for additional school-related activities.
1: Insomnia is the most common sleep disorder in the world. If you have insomnia, then you know that the symptoms make it hard to get through the next day. And those symptoms, such as difficulty thinking clearly and maintaining concentration, have major costs in the aggregate too. Researchers at RAND and RAND Europe have studied this staggering economic toll. They estimate that workers who experience any symptoms of insomnia miss 14 days of work every year and spend another 30 days at work but not being fully productive. And for people with chronic insomnia, these numbers are even higher. They are absent for up to 18 days and present but not productive for up to 54 days per year. Chronic insomnia ends up pulling down the U.S. economy by more than $200 billion every year. Other major economies forego tens of billions of dollars in lost productivity too. The United Kingdom loses more than 41 billion dollars per year. France loses more than 36 billion. For Germany, the annual cost of insomnia is more than 29 billion. And that's just a few more of the 16 countries Rand researchers examined. Wendy Troxel, an internationally recognized sleep expert and a practicing clinical psychologist, is one of those researchers. I work with patients, she says, so I see how widespread and debilitating insomnia is. But when you multiply all of these individuals across major nations, major economies, it really forces you to think about how the consequences affect societies as a whole. The good news is that there are effective treatments for insomnia. If more is done to recognize and address it, then it could help tens of millions of people improve their well-being and save the world tens of billions of dollars a
0: year. Many public defenders are overloaded with work. As a result, these attorneys are forced to prioritize some cases over others, may fail to fully investigate an issue, or may not be able to file the motions they should. This inevitably leads to harm evidence and witnesses are lost, and cases are delayed and often don't go to trial when they should. And while ethics rules require lawyers to limit their workloads to ensure competent representation, it's unclear exactly what those limits should be. A new Rand study aims to provide some answers, exploring possible national workload standards by calculating the amount of time public defenders need to provide adequate representation in an array of adult criminal cases. The authors estimate that the average time needed to represent an individual in an adult criminal case ranged from 286 hours to 13.5 hours, depending on the case type. The most time-consuming cases were those with a possible sentence of life without parole. And on the other side, probation or parole violation cases required the least amount of time. Estimates such as these can help public defense providers and jurisdictions across the country more accurately review their workloads and should allow them to better avoid case overload. Ultimately, this can ensure that the justice system better serves all of those who rely on it.
1: Are the United States and Israel on similar paths? According to Rand's Brian Michael Jenkins, some trends suggest this may be the case. For instance, both countries are experiencing deep social and political divisions, uncompromising partisanship, and increasingly hostile rhetoric. Religion also plays a prominent role in the politics of both countries. In Israel, it's ultra-Orthodox Judaism, And in the U.S., it's Christian fundamentalism. Fervent believers assert that the state must not only reflect, but also enforce the tenets of their faith. Divisions in the U.S. and Israel have amounted to what many describe as an existential threat to democracy. And they have led to a deep sense of foreboding in each country that society may be heading for civil war. Civil war still seems unlikely in either country, Jenkins says. However, he's quick to point out that this does not rule out escalating turmoil with the real prospect of political violence. Quote, The wars in Lebanon, the Balkans, Syria, and elsewhere remind us how quickly societies can descend into sectarian carnage.
0: The full impact of the deadly wildfires in Maui remains to be seen. But the disaster nevertheless highlights an urgent need for strategies that can prevent future tragedies. One lesson that can be drawn from this situation, says Rand's Lena Easton Calabria, is the link between food insecurity and wildfire prevention. The amount of land in Hawaii that's actively used for farming and ranching fell by more than 60% in the last five decades. This has contributed to both the fragility of Maui's food supply and to the island's vulnerability to wildfires. How? The decrease in acreage devoted to agriculture has facilitated unchecked growth of invasive grasses. These fire-prone grasses grow and dry out rapidly, creating ample fuel for wildfires. And unlike native vegetation, these invasive species bounce back quickly after burning, only to create risk of another fire. The problem is widespread. Estimates suggest that non-native grasses blanket one-quarter of the state of Hawaii, including West Maui, where Lahaina, the epicenter of last month's fire, is located. There are ways to address this. It starts with funding, Easton Calabria says. Once immediate emergency aid is dispersed and resources are allocated for reconstruction, federal agencies like the Department of Agriculture, FEMA, and the U.S. Forest Service could collaborate to prioritize the integration of food security and wildfire prevention strategies. Agroforestry systems, for example, which combine the planting of trees and shrubs with crop and animal farming systems, have proven to be resilient against wildfires. Other options include the development of community-based food forests and revitalizing traditional land management systems. Solutions such as these could go a long way toward reshaping the landscape for current and future generations.
1: That's it for today's episode. You can learn more about the topics we discussed in the show notes at randorg slash podcast. We're off next week. We'll be back in your feeds on September 29th. RAN is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis.